from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, five o'clock hour. So we gotta come on. Someone control the. Why is that one TV out again? Well, that TV's out. This one's like super zoomed we, in. We gotta come on. Get get on. Who's in control of the TV? I know we're all about the show here, but someone. Oh, Demond's got to handle this, or you have to. Uh, TNT, right? Come on. We're in studio. I'm into the the college softball world series. Are you more comfortable here, or would you like to be in 94 degrees right now? Maybe like in front of beer house. Do I get beer? You could if you want. We're not going to tell on you. Okay, well then yes. I mean, you could get I'd beer like here it. if we were prepped. It's very true. We just didn't prep ahead of time. My favorite is the. No, I'm not going to tell on anybody. Just say. Oh, what are you talking about, butt ice guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of. I saw a lot of butt ice back in the day when I was working late yes, out yes. here. Yeah, that happens. It happens. Well, it's better than what used to be around here. So I miss butt ice guy. I didn't even know he didn't work here. Anymore. Okay, all right. Are you still here? Still oh. here. Yeah. Okay. We're all good. Very cryptic right now. I don't like to do this. I'm not telling anybody. Yeah. John Von Tobel Cofield Demon <laughs> is in. By the way, I just made your name John Von Tobel Cofield. JBTC. Mm. John Von Tobel, Steve Cofield, Demon is in on this Monday. We're getting ready for. I turned it. The beginning of the VGK game. Game number two. We told you about some of the cool spots. If you are not in at the Fortress, a couple of cool spots to watch the game with our sister stations. Comp and Gooch are at Twin Peaks on Eastern, just south of the 215. And Lauren from The Point is hanging out at Ellis Island. In the front yard, which is a spectacular venue. They both are. They're both very good spots. So we'll have uh, viewing parties. We'll be out of some of those as well. But make sure you check Twitter and uh, Facebook and IG for accounts to find out where we are around town. I'm going to say I'm going to set the over under at 511. No, 517. Okay. Eh. Dang, that seems high. It's 502 right now. Let me see where they're at. I'll, no, you know what? I'll do this. 512. Over under puck drop. We're all just staring at the TV to see where they are right now. I'll take the over. Right. Okay, the on's in. All our bets here are minimum hundred dollars. Sorry, I don't get out of bed for less than a thou. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Can I finish up on the uh, college basketball talk in in no. uh, June? Yeah. Um, you were just schooling me on hedging. I was. My whole point on this is when you want to make long term bets. Uh, the books are going to be a little loose. I'm not saying Nevada or UNLV is going to win a national title, but it is interesting that UNLV is 500 to one. Uh, Nevada's 250 to one. Mm-hmm. UNLV had a pretty good last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Nevada did not have a good offseason. No, they did get some of their guys back in uh, Blackshear, but they did lose Will Baker. They did lose Darren Williams, a local Sacramento guy too. After one year, after he won the freshman of the year. But anyway, the odds on uh, one national board, UNLV 500 to one to win the national title. Again, this is not to play winning the national title. It's to find a team that can make a run to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. First, the Rebels have to make the tournament. It's been a long time. But uh, in the Mountain West, UNLV's 500 to one. Utah State lost everyone. They're actually 250 to one. They lost uh, Ashworth, Barstow, Akin, and Shulga and others. But uh, Utah State's 250 to one. Nevada's 250 to one. Boise? Is one twenty-five to one? I actually have him at two hundred to one. I think Boise is going to be the best team in the conference. San Diego State, eh, eh, 
They just got a commit from a pretty big recruit for 2024 from Vegas, yeah. Taj Duggerville. But for this year, that's, uh, again, 2024. Uh, for this coming season, they're 80 to 1. New Mexico loaded up pretty good. Uh, Richard Patino did a good job in the offseason. They are 100 to 1 to win a national title. And, God. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think one of the mistakes is you should not make a bet unless you think it actually has a chance of happening. Okay. Like, you shouldn't go into a bet thinking, I'm making this so I can get off of it at some point. Right. Because then you're readily admitting, I'm making a bet that I don't think I can win, which I think is, you know. Well, now we can all believe San Diego State made the final last year. That's going to happen almost every yeah. year with a group of five. And, you know, when sarcasm. it comes to, to your point about, like, Sweet 16, whatever it is, well, there's markets that are going to be available. Just bet UNLV to get to the Sweet 16, then. Mm, good point. You know, like there's, I mean, it's not out here. I emphasize there's nothing out here anymore. Um, but you can find spots where you can bet, you know, make a sweet 16, make an elite eight. Uh, one other UNLV point, DJ Thomas, 2024, D-Dan Jr., reclassified like we thought he would. So that's big. Actually would have been shocking if he hadn't. So what are the expectations now? Now you got a top 25 recruit in either class, mm-hmm. 2023 or 24. Bunch of Big 12 players are coming in. You got Lou Rod back. Luis Rodriguez. What do you think? Expectations should be... Give me a win total for the season without without looking at the schedules. It's very, very schedule. rudimentary. Look at the schedule. Um, I'll say 20 and a half. Ooh! I like that. I'm taking the over on that, too. Right, 24. I'll, you take the under. 24. 24, right. 24 is a little strong. That's that's aggressive. I'll say 20 and a half. That's how confident okay. I am. Shady, I'm a homer. Shady to the under. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 19 and a half. But I'm only. Wait, doing, you made this. Oh, and you're well, you're only well, going one the, low. I did it at the 24. No, you. I said 20 and a half. That's when you made the noise. Okay. All right. You're only going one win less. I actually, I I think a lot of people would hear 19 and a half, and they're gonna be like, what? It's gonna be a lot better than that. I gotta see the rest of the roster too. Right. They gotta they gotta fill it out here with at least one more player. Want some more guard depth. Yes. I know a lot of the uh, the guys are bringing in can all play the two at time or at times, but I need a little more a little more hybrid uh, one-two behind DJ Thomas Down. and Jackie Johnson. I like the and, picture. And sometime, uh, sometimes Webb, Justin Webster. What picture? Uh, was, it, uh, was it Thomas where he was like using the basketball as a pillow and it just said reclassified in like old English font? It's good. I don't know what came into the decision making, but it was good. I don't okay. Know. I don't know. NBA story of the day. The NBA. Fu- nope. 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 <laughs> this could be. I'll take the bait. This could be one of the most absurd stories I've seen in a long time. This is so dumb. Kyrie Irving reportedly asked LeBron if he would go to Dallas. How are we going to do this in the grab bag? Oh, no. Hey, if, if we have three contributors on the show each day, if two of the three send over the same story, then it gets in a main part of the program. That sucks. <laughs> I literally only put it in the email because it came down on Twitter right when I was constructing my you, email. I was like, oh, I'll throw this You in. do Me realize too. this story today and tomorrow is a massive story for the TV talking head shows. Of course it is. They will be all over it. That's why we're stupid. These are great stories. This is a 13-minute block of debating. Kyrie Irving asked LeBron James to join him in Dallas. By the way, just come on, go. All right, Steve. Thirteen minutes. This, this is what this is why we got to talk about this. Six minutes. This is why we got to talk about this because what if LeBron, Luca, 
Kyrie, the big three in Dallas. Is LeBron going to be able to swallow his pride and go to Dallas, the team that he already gave a ring in 2011? You got to think about the history here. How can LeBron James actually do this and go to Dallas? Kyrie, bold move to make the call. You miss all the shots you don't take. We all know that. Kyrie making the call. Did you see that video of Phil Handy picking him up from the airport? No. Come on, guys. Phil Handy picked him up from the airport. Lakers assistant, but maybe he's on the move with LeBron, too. Okay. Do it. Do it. Do what? Don't ignore us. Don't look down. Okay. All right. right, Fine. We'll do this. What are they trading to get LeBron? No. First order of business. You can't just ask him to join you. First order of business. He's under contract. (laughs) That's exactly what he did. First order of business. This is happening. Are there enough basketballs to go around? Such a dumb topic, too. Who handles the ball most of the time? They're professional basketball. Kyrie, players. LeBron, or Luka. They're all ball dominant. Can this work? You want the you want the local element? What does this do for Christian Wood? No, I mean he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> oh, he's gone already. <laughs> so I mean, I think technically he's still under contract off the double check, but he's not gonna be back with the team. He's, he's out. already been reported. He told him he's if LeBron comes, he's out. Yeah. Same position. Eating up my minutes. <laughs> yeah. Chris Wood's too good for that. Oh God, I would love if this happened and then Chris Wood fired off some real <laughs> like nasty tweet. Like, Him uh, over me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fading LeBron. <laughs> See what I mean? These stories have legs. I just first off, can I can we laugh at the thought of Kyrie going, you want to join me in Dallas? Like you. Yeah. It's Lucas team. That's my favorite. Well, <laughs> right. actually, no, my favorite part is one, that that is good. It's Lucas team. <laughs> right. The other thing is I'm gonna let Damon do this. Who is the most delusional person on the Lotus Broadcasting Sports staff? Where you look at them and you're like, do you even know who you are and what you're saying right now? Because we're all a bit delusional. Like We all think we deserve a lot more than we have. Say, be careful. You might say it's, it's it might be one name. of us, yeah. But you know what? You, you don't have to name someone. My whole point is, like, Kyrie is – I don't know if this is a bit, but in terms of self-reflection, I don't think he ever does it. Like, who he is and what he's done. Like, bro, who is joining you? You are one of the like the f- most flighty, least reliable guys. This is the end of LeBron's career. If he comes back, it is title or bust. He's going to join you? He's already said he's a coach. You know, him and KD, they exactly. tried to coach in Brooklyn. Him and Luka and LeBron, they could just mm-hmm. coach themselves in Dallas. I mean, what do you mean self-reflection? What does he have to look back on? Uh, that he's never available, that he's a giant pain in the ass, that he's a flat earther, says weird stuff that just uh, distracts from the mission. I'm wearing a he's not reliable. Right I do wish I had his confidence. Me too. That's a good spin back, see? <laughs> All right, we're almost at 13 minutes in this block. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Is Kyrie too confident for the other two guys? Does he need to tone down his con- I can't. I'm actually this. working on a 3,000-word think piece on this that right? article right now. It's going to be up at vcin.com. What would the hypothetical line be for the Dallas Mavericks if we get LeBron James? Yeah, he's not happening. So you would have to trade for LeBron. Yes, because his player option is not for uh, the next, next season. Right. So he's still under contract this year. You know, I forgot to send you over a note. I got chastised heavily by one John Von Tobel about next year's draft. But before I get to that, I'm going to mention the other reason LeBron ain't leaving L.A. is that Bron, he's going to USC. Mm-hmm. From a convenience standpoint, this is a dream. If he's going to play for the Lakers, and he's going to, the kid's right there. So now he's going to relocate to freaking Dallas. 
Come on. That doesn't make any sense. Well, then his son's going to decommit and commit to, I don't know, what's close uh, to Dallas. I guess he could. I guess he could. Uh, so my point on next year's draft is I love it close. I, I think next year's draft is just as important as this year's draft it's because not. Bronny is going top five and LeBron is going to wherever Bronny goes. And Shams last week broached this topic. So I was first on it and you've laughed at me repeatedly. Wherever Bronny is going to go, 10 to 15 to 20 spots higher than if he should, the team is going to bring him in to make money and count on LeBron joining him for a couple of years in, what would it be, 2025? The 24-25 season. If Bronny James goes in the top five, I want to make this bet. If, when he doesn't go in the top five, we rename the show Von Tobel and Company for like a week. I want liners. I want Leon. I want we everything. Can, we can craft a bet. I probably won't do top five. You just said he's going to go in the top five. You're already backing down. Because you know it's ridiculous. It's not. No, I, I really, I do, I really do believe that someone's going to overdraft him, thinking well, they're going to get overdraft that. is something completely different than top five. You've said both of those statements. Well, I think he can be a first round pick. Okay, again, that's way different than top. Well, five. Well, if he's a first round pick, that means he should go twenty two. He goes eight. That's a, that's a really big he's, difference. He's, should go seventeen. He goes four. Right. But I'm, I'm pushing back specifically. You stated he would go in the top five. I'm close to it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm close to believing that, yeah. Okay, fine. I'll, I will compromise. Top ten. Let me think about it. Because you know it's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It is. I don't understand how, you're, how you don't see this happening. I will say, so I've been doing a lot of NBA draft research for this year, writing articles, betting-wise, and everything like that. It is pretty funny to read articles <laughs> – and have it be at like on a mock draft for pick number six. And it's like, you know, at this point of the draft, NFL G- or NBA GMs are just trying to hit home runs. They have no idea about well, the that's talent. Not, that's not true. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's ridiculous. No. You are trying to hit home runs because you don't know the talent. Right. Mock drafter. No, NBA uh, draft.net, which is a pretty good site, as of a month ago, had Bronny at like 46. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm taking a big leap. I need him to, I need him to be a, I need 14 points per game, and I need a little run in the NCAA tournament. And then I think he's going to – the NBA people are going to get real, real serious. Does Bronny James start more games than come off the bench for USC? Oh, wow. Didn't they sign a guard that's like leaps and bounds better than him? Nobody's better than Bronny James. I don't know what you're talking about. Best prospect in the country. Let me look at the roster on that one. <laughs> See, you can't even commit to whether he's going to be a full-time starter for USC. Oh, I just need more starts than off the bench? Yeah. I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. I think they'll be obligated to start him. <laughs> There's no way. Yes. There's yes. No way. Yes. His dad's not even going to be around. He's going to be traveling. It's Bronny. Gonna... What do you think they promised him? He's going to be at Dallas. His dad's not even going to be there to watch the games. He's going to be playing with Luka and Kyrie. See how much money he's backed? With by NIL, it is going to be a demand from NIL people. The kid is starting. Oh, sorry, I don't know if that was that sounded declarative, like we were going to commercial. No, break. no, no. I really, I'm. You think I'm faking? I really do believe this. I'm willing to bet cooler heads will prevail. I mean, you've got a shot if he if he turns out to be really a three or four year college player and he comes out his first year and he's averaging six point three a game. Now he may still come out, but that doesn't mean someone has to draft him top ten. What's his brother's name? Bryce? Yeah, yeah, Bryce. Isn't by all accounts Bryce better than Bronny? No. No? Okay. He's taller. 
I mean, I think he has. He's got a chance to be a really good player. He's got guard skills at like six, 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 seven. Oh, you want to? And he probably is going to go to six nine. I got confused because he wears Rex specs. That's why. Yeah, I thought he was really good because he just wore Rex specs. Is that how it works now? Yeah. If you have the balls to wear Rex specs, you got to be really good. Then you have to be really good, especially if you're LeBron's kid. All right. On the way back, let's get to the NBA Finals. A lot more on how the Heat got the job done in Game Number Two. We're also going to head out to Denver and talk to one of the uh, Sports Talk hosts up there about the Nuggets side of things. That's Nate Kreckman. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Butler, a three-pointer. Off the side of the rim, Brown, the rebound. Should the Heat foul here? I'm taking a foul. I'm not allowing them to get off a three. Denver does have a timeout, but they're not using it. Four seconds. Murray, step back, three-pointer. Won't go. Fight for the rebound, Martin. And it's over. The Miami Heat have tied the NBA Finals. Can you feel the heat down in your So what's a better bet, Heat and six or Heat and seven? Denver and five. You're not being serious. Dead serious. It's going to be a long series. I mean, we might get an overtime game in there when Denver crushes them over the next three. Why can't Miami keep up this incredible shooting, I, which has now gone through the entire playoffs and has kind of bucked all trends and shoved it in the face of you numbers, guys? Right. I mean, I don't know. I honestly, like, like, so if you look every step of the way for Miami, it has just been some outlier performance after another, and they deserve credit for getting those performances. But you keep, it's like outlier performance. It's nine wins in the postseason where they've shot 47% from three and actually 49% on heavily contested threes. Right. Wasn't there a year, was it two years ago, that you were just flipping out, or maybe it was three, with the Knicks? Yes. The Knicks had this incredible make rate for an entire season, and you're like, this is outrageous. So it was, and, and it does. I'm, so I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of the things I've brought up during this run, which is, and I got to talk to Tom Haberstroh, who does a lot of NBA stuff, works in Metal Arc Media about this. And, you know, sometimes, because we're thinking about this in the NBA Finals and just overall in the postseason, we're talking about about like 26 games if the Miami Heat win this thing. So that's still kind of a small sample size. But the point about the Knicks, which was the year for everybody who's out there who doesn't remember, it was the year that they went to the playoffs just two years ago, lost to the Atlanta Hawks. In that regular season, the Knicks were one of the best three-point defenses in the NBA. But if you dug into it, they had given up the most wide-open three-point attempts of any oh, team. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, so in the defensive NBA. numbers. Okay. Yes. They had, given up, they had given up the most wide-open three-point attempts. Wide-open attempts are defender six feet or farther away. They had given up the most uncontested three-point attempts of any team in the NBA, but they were first in opponent three-point shooting on those attempts. Opponents were shooting 34% on wide-open threes against the Knicks. Just pure, unadulterated luck over the course of 82 games. So what happens in a best-of-seven against the Atlanta Hawks? Hawks come in, shoot the lights out against them, because guess what? Over the course of a best-of-seven, the same opponent, your luck's probably going to dry up, and they end up losing that series. I think they ended up losing in five, if I remember correctly. might have been six. But regardless, like that's kind of the whole point, which is, which is a good point to bring up by you. Look, over the course of 82 games, and that's just one example, one team got really lucky, and they had a really good regular season because of it. It's not unthinkable that this Heat team – is just going to get insanely hot and clean this thing out and finish it. And when I say outlier performances, it's like different things. The Bucks series, 47% from three over the course of five games against the Bucks, and over 50%, as you mentioned, on contested looks. That's insanity. 
against the Boston Celtics. The highest mark on wide open threes we've seen in 10 years from a team in a, in a, in a series, in a playoff series. That was the Miami Heat in that, in that Eastern Conference Finals. Last night, in the fourth quarter, the highest offensive rating in an individual quarter we've seen all season. Not just postseason, not just regular season, all season. So maybe they can keep doing it. They deserve credit, obviously. And I think when you say these kind of things, people are like, you don't believe. It's like, yes. Like every step of the way, they're making history, of course. Why, like It's very low probability that this is going to continue to happen, yet it has. So of course they don't believe it's going to continue to happen. But here they are. They're, they're tied 1-1 in the NBA Finals going back home. 364-1100, Let's do a giveaway here. Caller number seven, number seven at 364-1100. We've got two tickets to soccer. Sunday, the 18th, uh, we've got the CONCACAF finals in town. we got the semifinals as well. You can buy tickets for all of the soccer games at Ticketmaster.com. It's at Allegiant Stadium, so massive crowds are going to be out there. It runs from June 15th to the uh, June 18th. We've got tickets for the uh, CONCACAF final. That's a Sunday game, 364-1100, caller number 7364-1100. On the way back, our conversation with Nate Kreckman will give us the uh, Denver side of things is now they're in trouble. It's a 1-1 series. We'll find out what the guys in Denver are thinking right now. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Knights and Panthers off to a scoreless start six minutes into the game. Let's continue on the NBA Finals here on Cofield and Company. 1-1 series. Nate Crackman, Altitude Sports Radio in Denver. Right into it, Nate. Nuggets are now tied at 1-1. Yesterday was uh, – that was not good. That was not a great performance down the stretch. Yeah, it was puke. They gave up 36 points on 69% shooting in the fourth quarter, as Michael Malone was sure to point out at least seven different times in his post game. <laughs> um, and and look, he decried effort. He decried execution. Um, and those things were all a problem for Denver. They uh, they didn't communicate well on switches. They were slow on switches. Hey, some of this, give Miami credit. The ball popped. It moved. Jimmy Butler had a great game. His drive and kick game was on. Um, but also, Denver has to be much, much better than they were uh, defensively in that game. So that's the biggest thing that jumps out. Like, some guys had bad offensive games last night, but Jokic scored 41 I know there's that thing of Denver's got a bad playoff record when Jokic scores 40 or more. Still, they very much should have won that game. They gave Miami too many open looks. They made 49% of the threes. And if Miami makes 49% of the threes, they're going to win games in this series. And Denver loses their first home game of the playoffs. You mentioned some of the blown switches. And I thought Christian Brown was the one to blame, especially at the beginning of the fourth quarter when they had Brown-Brown action on Duncan Robinson and Vincent. And Brown made the mistake on both of them, is he a guy that they have to be careful with now moving forward in terms of reliability defensively? They have been with Christian Brown the entire playoffs. He actually he didn't even see the floor in game four of the Western Conference Finals, and he's sort of been in and out. Now, you, you know, it's funny you bring that up because his, his first half minutes were fantastic. Uh, I think he scored six points. He had a number of steals, uh, deflections. He played really, really well. Um, but then you're right. His second half defense wasn't very good, but Christian Brown is just one of the culprits. Michael Porter jr. Had his worst game of the playoffs and it wasn't even close. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's been one of the most reliable veterans on this team. He was terrible defensively last night. Jamal Murray had a terrible defensive game, Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon. And this is something that goes back to the Phoenix series. Their communication on switches sometimes just disappears. 
And, and, and I don't understand like that, that, that is the kind of thing that a coaching staff and Denver's coaching staff is very good. That's the kind of thing they're going to put on film. They're going to show these guys like these are, these are easy fixes and it just wasn't there last time. It It was a lackadaisical game out of the nuggets. I don't know if they read too many of their clippings, after game one or what it was, but that was last night. What you saw was the worst game this team has played in the playoffs. Nate Crackman, Altitude Sports Radio on Cofield and Company here on ESPN Las Vegas as the Heat take game two. Now it's a 1-1 series. Goes to uh, Miami for a Wednesday game, game three of the NBA Finals. Do you like Michael Malone using effort? I mean, he mentioned the switches, but effort as one of his main points in the postgame. Is that something he's used before? Not in these playoffs, and it's it's a re- he'll break it out in the regular season. Okay, now you only get so many of those cards, but he'll break it out in the regular season. What what helped him last night was that Jeff Green echoed those sentiments when he got to the podium, which very much helps Michael Malone to have an ally in the locker room like he does with a veteran with Jeff Green. Uh, Malone is, he's very good about keeping, you know, Ish Smith and and DeAndre Jordan, they don't see the floor, but they're, they're his allies in the room. Jamal Murray bristled when he got asked the effort question after the game last night, he just simply pointed to a lack of communication, um, a, a, a lack of attention to detail out of his team, but also, you know, Malone playing that card. Well, it's going to piss off a guy like Jamal Murray, and hopefully you'll see a much better effort out of him uh, coming up here in game three when the series goes to Miami. Malone likes that card. He, he's a big fan of the effort card, but to his credit, and I think it's well-deserved, it's the first time we've heard it in this entire postseason. Do you believe this is basically the Lakers series all over again? All right, they figured out something. They hit a bunch of shots. Miami is a good team, but they're not a great team. They're not going to beat the great team. This is going to be a 4-1 series. Yeah, I'm still very much in that camp. Um, maybe a six-game series. Maybe maybe Miami gets another one back on their home floor. The Nuggets are are the vastly better team in this series in general in this postseason. Whether whether it was Phoenix and and what they were able to do spreading the floor and really making Denver's defense work, getting those looks for Booker and Durant. Um, whether it was you know, uh, Darvin Ham throwing Rui Achimura and letting Anthony Davis wander free in the paint uh, in, in game one of the Western Conference Finals. There have been adjustments that, that have worked against Denver. The The problem is they don't work for long. And Nikola Jokic solves every puzzle eventually, and he's going to solve this one again. I thought he was great last night. He only had four assists. Guys missed an awful lot of shots. Yeah, they they made a little adjustment. They threw some late doubles at him that forced him to pass out of duress a little bit. And one of Miami's big adjustments last night, um, and, and I could see it great from my vantage point where I was sitting, they went to that high 1-2-2 zone, and they really pushed it out to meet Denver near midcourt. Teams will do that to the Nuggets sometimes, really force them to get into their offensive sets slower. And they did so successfully last night. I expect adjustment. I expect they got two days until they play again. Malone is, you know, he's very good at reorganizing his principles going into a game. I'm not that concerned about the Nuggets. They had a poor shooting night. And, yeah, some things Miami did got to him, and the Heat shot great. You do bring up something real interesting. Everything you said is interesting, Nate. Uh, Nate Crackman's with us from Altitude Sports Radio. But as we try to figure out the Nuggets, a lot of it comes off as very simplistic. And we'll get to Ramona Shelburne in the postgame. But one of the things – I've noticed along the way in the the uh, 
throughout the playoffs is, and you just mentioned, kind of disrupting the rhythm. And I really never understood, especially in the Lakers series, why there's oftentimes Jokic is allowed to bring the ball up unmolested. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let him do that. That is part of getting the team into the rhythm. And anyone should be able to stop a seven foot, 280 pound guy from bringing the ball up the floor, get it out of his hands to start the whole thing. So the, it's, it's a great point that you make right there. And it, uh, really I, I give the Minnesota staff credit because they're the ones that initially started in these playoffs doing just what you're talking about to Jamal Murray. And they basically had Nikhil Alexander Walker guard him for an entire 94 feet and, and try and disrupt the rhythm of what Denver does offensively. I thought the Nuggets were slow to adjust to that. Again, they won that series in five games because they're just way, way better than Minnesota. But there, there was a blueprint that was put up right there. But teams don't really do that to Nikola. Now, some of that is because Jokic can blow that up with his passing. Um, if, if Because you can't put a big man on him to defend him for 94 feet. No. So you have to use a smaller defender. Thus, he looks down the floor and he will find the mismatch with his long passing game. It, to your point, like adjustments on Jokic, they don't last. Like if you're lucky, you get a quarter out of them. Um, you know, some usually like half a quarter at best is what you get out of him. And then he just, he does something else to be able to blow you up. Um, but the, basically what they did last night was they met them with multiple defenders to be able to slow them getting into their sets. I, I, I think that Denver can still execute better offensively in doing some of that. And also I don't want to oversimplify it. Michael Porter's just got to make shots. He's just got to make shots. He's, Let's well. see in these playoffs uh, or in these finals, he's he's three of seventeen. Yeah, uh, from three, that's just not good enough. He's also got to show good basketball sense. I saw at least yeah. one replay where he rose up for a three with like two guys in front of him, and he had two players wide open underneath the basket. It's like, and yeah. I think it was Murray and Hook. It's like oh, he's trying oh. to get himself going. Like yeah, it, it, he's it trying to do anything he can to get himself going offensively. He had a great game one, despite yeah. poor shooting. He had a great game one last night. He had his worst game of this postseason. Nate Crackman on ESPN Las Vegas. He does sports radio in Denver on Altitude Sports Radio. What's the vibe like in Denver with NBA? Uh, First of all, we've talked about this many times. Sports radio in Denver is all built around the Broncos, and there's a bunch of former Broncos on the air. So, And we've also mentioned, hey, you know, the Avs and the Nuggets haven't really been available like they should be on TV for years and years. I'll say this, and I say it all the time. I also believe that uh, there is a demo, 50-plus whites, that for some reason don't like the NBA and always take little shots at it, and I think I know why. Now, Jokic may correct all that for obvious reasons. So what is the vibe in Denver? It seems like it's turned into a good basketball city. Or do you want to freaking punch me right in the mouth and say, hey, we've always been a good basketball city? <laughs> no, I, I, I think that right now Denver is a good basketball city. I'm not going to make an argument that Denver has always been a good basketball city or, or anything like that. And some of that just comes down to – well, 47 years of Nuggets basketball, they've never won an NBA championship. This is the first time they've ever been in the NBA finals. So sometimes your town is only going to be um, like as good as what the product gives you. And the Nuggets, for much of their history, have not given us the greatest product. Now, they have built up a team right now that is it's the best team in the NBA. And it's been a it's been a slow build. It's been a stunted build because of injuries to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But they're they're in this place and they're hitting their ceiling. And it's really, really good to see the big thing that has been happening here locally uh, has really been 
a uh, a rejection of national NBA media. Yes, <laughs> and there have been there have been takes. Um, you know, Chris Mannix uh, saying that the Nuggets aren't interesting. There, there's which which we had him on our show, and we just it, it's funny we had him on our show, and basically I just my goal in the interview was refuting that very opinion with facts of I'm just going to tell you all the interesting things about this team. And then I'm going to dare you to keep telling me they're not interesting. Um, and then Mannix went on one of our midday shows and just got screamed at that. That wasn't really how we went about the whole thing, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I got screamed at. I love it. <laughs> You're lazy. You are lazy, which I think a lot of the national media people, because you know, they've been taught that, Hey, Northeast quarter counts. And then the big glamor players count. And Jokic is not one of those big glamor players. So they just have not been trained to really watch all of the NBA, which is shame on them. Well, it's funny, Steve, because and, and I've been saying this like like today, okay? For example, the, this this Kyrie wants LeBron in Dallas story is just it's it's red meat for for every national media type and talking head show and all those sorts of things. Now they don't have to talk about the finals; they can merely have you know clutch sports feed them tidbits of stories, and they can run with all that. I think the national media is very good at covering transactional NBA news, rumor mill, et cetera. But the Nuggets don't give them any of that. This has just been a right. steady build of a really good roster that has turned into an excellent basketball team. And they don't want to talk about basketball. Right. They, want to, they, they want to talk about, oh, it, it, player movement and all those sorts of things, um, which gets to Mannix's point about Denver not being interesting. Well, yeah, if, if, if you don't like basketball that much or don't know how to talk about basketball or don't want to talk about basketball, then the Nuggets aren't terribly interesting, and, and they never will be to you. Um, I, for one, I, I, I feel so fortunate that I get to watch that team play every game Nikola Jokic, I know I'm supposed to be a capital O objective radio host. He's my favorite basketball player of all time. I and, and that is purely born out of I love watching him play basketball. It's just an absolute freaking treat. It scratches me right where I itch in terms of my <laughs> basketball nerddom. I love the dude. Um, I also think he's a super interesting guy on top of all of that. But um, th this team, this team is absolutely perfect for me to talk about basketball the way that I like to talk about it and you know when we had Mannix on my co-host Andy Lindahl just made a great point of like what is so interesting about LeBron reshaping his roster around him he's done that 12 times in his career what is interesting about Kevin Durant having another ankle injury Kevin Durant always has an ankle <laughs> injury there's actually something different to talk about right now we know what Levitard show is it's this effort to kind of Hey, we're going to be funny. We don't take sports that seriously, but they have a kind of a Howard Stern like prank caller. So it's really a ripoff. And, and their show kind of is, too. They do a good job. It's an ensemble cast, but Stern invented this whole thing. And Levitard does a, a very good job on it. But did they get a prank caller into your postgame show yesterday? They did. Yes. Uh, which I, I was not aware at the time. Um, but yeah, so so our regular postgame host uh, is he's out right now. And so for the finals, they were just like, hey, we fill in and do the call-in show, which fine. So literally the last two games have been the first time that I've ever hosted this show all year. But whatever, I've hosted these kinds of shows before. And Steve, you know what it's like when you host a, a, a post-game call-in show 
especially one late at night. Uh, your <laughs> listeners are often um, people that are on their way home from the game. Sure. They're probably slightly or completely inebriated. And so they can both be uh, – the two things that you battle are they either get long-winded and boring, and then you have to cut them off because it's unlistenable, or they swear, and then the radio station can get in trouble. <laughs> so so Levitard's guy calls in last night, and he said his name was Carl. So I took a call from Carl, which funny name off the jump. It's a good name. Sure. I sure. give him credit there. And Carl gets on and um, starts starts talking about watching the game, and then he played some music and yelled about the heat. And I, my biggest concern was that he's that he swore in Spanish. Yeah, he he did some Spanish. By the way, as it turned out, uh, watching this morning some of the translation on that, all he said was breaded steak with white rice and black beans. But I totally, <laughs> what I totally get what, where you're coming from because I thought I was like, oh my god, I don't know Spanish. Did he just drop like yeah. a bunch of f bombs and and mother oh, totally. me? I got to get out of here. That that's what I was worried about, and yeah. and, and I'm down at Ball Arena. Um, you know, you know, doing the post. Oh, that too. So, oh no. Yeah. So, so you, I'm not, I'm not yeah. in the studio, so I don't have right. access to the phone bank yeah. just to cut him off right away. So I'm beholden to my producer and our producer, Steve's really good. Yeah. Um, but you also, never know, but you never well, know. And it's, a t- that's a tough gig is, is when, you, when you're running the, the post game call in show, you're trying to listen, you're trying to screen calls at the same time. You know, yep. you just got done with the game. Like you have all the audio in front of you. Like, People don't understand that's a really tough job for one guy to do. And so you're always hoping like, oh, man, I hope he's catching this right now because I'm because I'm not there. And so, yeah, when he's when he's going on and on in Spanish, just in my head, I'm just like, oh, God, I hope this guy's not swearing right now. And then he plays the heat song. And so I just gave him like, a, all right, cool, Carl. Um, and, then, and then we got him off and went to the next caller. I I didn't think much of it at the time. Like, yeah. hey, get a good on the heat troll for for getting through and getting on the show. But I didn't care that much. We went right to the next caller. Um, but yeah, they played it on Lebitard today, and I I had not listened back to it, so I got yeah. to rehear it on the Lebitard show. I thought it was funny. I I, do, uh, I enjoyed Lebitard's characterization of you because I know you, and I also know you off the air. Uh, Lebitard said, "I love the confused." But we're very serious about our sports. Sports talk. Know, right? like, I'm like, well, Nate's not really that serious. Trust me. <laughs> he's he's probably as irreverent as everyone on your show or more so. So yeah. he didn't take it yeah. that serious. Hey, last one on, on game three. You sounded pretty confident about the series going five or six. Uh, what do they have to worry about if Caleb Martin is healthy, which might be a long shot because he seemed like he was pretty dead. And I wonder if Tyler Hero will actually give them Another option. They said they're being really careful about the broken hand, but he would certainly add a weapon. You know, you just mentioned 10 minutes ago and how the Heat got the job done here, uh, defense and also nailing some threes. Hero would help that. He really would. Now, I think it's an interesting place for Miami to be in. And, okay, Spolster's really good, okay? I'm not worried about, you know, his ability to be able to integrate these things, but the Miami Heat haven't had Tyler Hero since game one, uh, their very first game of these entire playoffs against Milwaukee, that that's a big ask to then blow up what you've done rotation-wise for the better part of two months and reintegrate Tyler Hero back into what you do 
Uh, plus, defensively, he's a guy, we've been talking about this on our show, that Denver can target him um, and, and really try and hunt for him on switches because Tyler Hero is not a great defensive player. He's a good shooter, but he's also got a broken hand, um, and the physicality of the NBA Finals could certainly be a factor for him. Now, look, I could say all this stuff. Tyler Hero could come back in game three and hit six threes. Okay, so so I could be way off on that. It's to me, it is just a a very specific kind of challenge that they have to deal with to to reintroduce a ball dominant player the way that Tyler Hero is. I don't think it swings this series. Again, these could be famous last words, but I don't think his return swings this series. Nate, brush up on your Spanish, my friend. See, also, apparently he was talking about plantains. Like, I love Cuban food. I would have been down. I had takes. Nate, good job, man. Enjoy the rest of the finals, and uh, we'll get you on after the finals. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Man, I don't want to look away. Bobrovsky is kind of unraveling here. Knight scored about 10 minutes ago on a marshy goal, which Bobrovsky, I don't think you could see the shot. That was one nothing, And then just two minutes ago, they get another goal, this time Alec Martinez. And you thought it was a soft goal? I mean, I thought so. There was there was a Panther defender in front of him, but not it didn't look like exactly in front of him. It was just over, right over his right shoulder. Uh, both goals over the shoulder. Yeah. I think right and left. I think Marcy's was over his left. And this last one over his right, and it's 2 nothing. About 15 seconds left in the first period. So wow. Florida Panthers have to uh, get it together in the locker room. But Knights are out to a really good start here, a really good start. Yeah, I guess it's not his fault. It was a well-known sniper, Alec Martinez, that took him down. There's people screaming outside. Weird, man. Real weird. 2 nothing. 2 nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. 2 nothing. Going to the break. Uh, in the bag? Did you see the uh, Netflix series of those uh, documentaries? Um, yes. now, now I'm getting, uh, now I'm losing the name of the freaking the series. Anyway, they're doing one. Uh, they do sports documentaries. They're doing yes. one at Urban Meyer. I can't wait. Is it called Ge- Swamp Something? Gator Something? They had a title that just came out today, right? Or yesterday. They actually had a name for it now. How awesome could this be if they really do the story? Oh, if they do it right, it's going to be great. We're going to find out how Urban Meyer knew the whole time about Aaron Hernandez and didn't really care because winning is everything. Yep. And, I mean, I'll say allegedly. I don't even say allegedly. We don't know. But uh, darling quarterback Tim Tebow, how much did he know? Untold Swamp Kings. Swamp Kings. There we go. Yep. Yep. Untold Swamp Kings. Untold. So we know about, I think it was a total of like 37 arrests slash encounters with the police with players at yeah. Florida when Urban Meyer was there. That's what we know about. So what I'd really like to see, because it's it's essentially the case in all these schools that uh, you know have a high count of interactions with police, is they generally have a fixer in the department that will help them or kind of on call. 
So I'd love to see how much the fix are fixed. And one of the things they have to cover is Aaron Hernandez's action mm-hmm. when he was in the program. Because there was supposedly an incident where um, – didn't he shoot into a car? I think it was he shot into a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of covered up the whole thing. And, you know, there's also the culpability of one Urban Meyer, right? Like how involved was he? Just like the guys at Baylor – that stuff goes all the way up to the top, and it's an organized effort. Mm. Not good. Not that Urban Meyer is anything to risk anymore, yeah, he's so he's done. God-fearing man. He was just speaking out like two weeks ago about he's he's calling out NIL. He's like, let's call it what it is, cheating. We don't need to hear from you right. unless you're going to go full Conseco and spill the beans on everyone, but he's not going to do that. Back in my day, we just covered up assaults. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it could be really good, really good. And you're right, there could be some juicy material on one. Tim Tebow. If you're looking for the game, it's over on Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. Good job, John. Thanks to DeMond. We'll see you.